could see it in your eyes, man. You want to come back, but don't, but don't. But like, you, you, in the, you going the right way. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolution? Welcome to the What's the Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution in their lives. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corbett. What's good, revolutionaries? Good, good. I hope all is well with you. I hope that you are doing your thing, dear friends, and that, you know, you're getting out. (laughs) You are getting out Out, out, to vote. My man Wesley Bias was on the last show, and he talked about about this carefree blackness, what it means to just enjoy the laughter and the camaraderie and the community that we are building around being black and that has been there for decades and centuries that what it feels like to just be in your element to be black this carefree blackness but he also talked about revolutionaries that we got to go out and vote right we are 22 days away 22 days away actually maybe maybe it's three weeks 21 days excuse me we got three weeks people the people have already started to vote right go out if you haven't registered for in some states today is the last day make sure you know virginia got the cable cut and for some reason that cable (laughs) that cable stopped everyone in virginia if they didn't register online today hopefully they're gonna you know do what they need to do to make sure that people get a chance to register to vote but go out as if you know go out and vote as if your life depended for because if you look like me and my guest today your life depends on this election and not just at the top of the ballot folks all the way down and people understand that all politics is local you're voting for senate you're voting for congress you're voting for your own state house of representatives like go vote make sure school board right here in virginia beach go vote these people out and you know who i'm talking about if you're not about every child, go, right? We don't want you. 68,000 kids want to know that every person believes in them. So go vote, go vote, go vote. But we're going to get away from the topics that we have been talking about because underneath it all, underneath everything that we've been talking about is our faith. And for those of you, for those of you who who, who believe in a, a cadre of things, this is the show for you because we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about what we need in these times to actually galvanize, galvanize us as a people, to galvanize us as a country. And as I think about my own faith and my own walk and growing up in a household with a mother who prays, who we call, you know, affectionately call her the bishop. Right, who prays for our family, for the country, for our neighborhoods every day. I am very proud to say that my mother, Bertha Corporal, prays for me every day. She is, she is founded. She walks in her faith as we all need to figure out what that looks like for us. And I'm not going to tell you what your faith and what your walk should look like. I know what mine is. And I know that there's someone out there who inspires me, right? As, a, as we talked in the green room. You know, this brother, when he when he when he when he uplifts his voice and that's what I'm going to say, when he uplifts his voice, revolutionaries, I stop because I want to hear what this brother's got to say. So 
my friend, right? Because we, like, I need to put this in here before I, I, I introduce him. My friend, my, my friend, we grew up in church together. His father is my mentor and my pastor, Dr. Robert George Murray. We're going to bring that out, right? Dr. Robert George Murray, mentor, friend, light giver. And he has been there since I was 12 years old at First Baptist Butte Street. Mm. But today I bring on his son, right? <laughs> I bring on his son, my friend, my friend, my friend, Pastor Reverend Osaze Murray. Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. How are you, my friend and my brother? How are you? I'm doing very well. It's so good to be on here with you, bro. Thank you so much for the honor. I mean it. Uh, <laughs> the honor is mine. And I began to thinking, you know, I, I heard you speak a, a couple of weeks ago, your pastor's your father's, all right, our pastor's anniversary. And I, I had to say I was 12 years old. So that means that was, I was 12 years old. So that's got to be 1983. Man. This is 2000. So this means somewhere around 47, 37, 37, yeah. 37 year anniversary for your father. It sounds right. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, that's about right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want to put that extra 10 on me, bro. Nah, don't do it. Yeah. Your father, <laughs> your father and your family have been a staple in my life, man. And watching your father get up uh, on the, on the, you know, the, uh, you saw him on the pulpit. You saw him going. There you go. Exactly. In the pulpit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He gave me my first chance to speak, you know, with the, uh, with the, uh, Youth ministry gave That's me my right. first chance to get in front of folks. And he has been that man, you know, for many of us. And I see in your calling now, you know, as I got to see as you began to talk about, you know, what it means for you to see your father and the work that he's done. What does it mean for you? And we'll get into our signature question in a second. What does it mean for you to see your father stand up on the pulpit every Sunday and be a beacon of light for not only the Norfolk community, for people across the world. You know, seeing my dad speak for people who don't have a voice, seeing him speak for people who misuse their voice, seeing him speak for, uh, for you know, basically what we hold our faith on, which is on the word of God and, and his son, Jesus Christ, it's, it's been inspiring, man. You know, I always looked at my dad as like a pastor teacher. You know, you have people who can teach and hoop and do all that other stuff. But <laughs> I always saw him as someone who wanted to teach so that we could have enough to chew on for later. You know, I remember him teaching me words like Konania and teaching me how to do tithing. You know what I mean? So it's just like these were lessons that he was teaching everybody. But as his son, like watching him. It was like he was articulating what I already saw him do at home. Right. And that to me, that was amazing. Yeah, man. You know, it's interesting. Teacher, mentor, coach, you know, that comes comes to mind as you think about that. And he brought, you know, Dr. Robert George Murray brings the, the, the sort of peace and reverence to the to the to the pastorhood. I don't I, I want to make sure. Just the pastoral nature that he brings. I, re I remember when, you know, I was about to get married <laughs> in revolutionaries. Don't laugh at me because, you know, I'm not married and I did not get married. But I remember beginning my my walk and my journey with 
a, a wonderful woman, Shauna Gentry, who I will always say is the best woman in the world. You know, I began to have this conversation with your father and he began to kind of open and illuminate things about marriage. And it didn't come from this pastoral place. It came from a place of love and mentorship and friendship. And he began to talk about his experiences of being a husband. And I took away from that, like, wow, I wasn't, you know, I, I did not feel like I was being told what to do. I was given a roadmap and you can choose the paths on this map, right? And here's some of the, here's some of the roads that I've taken as a husband. And I love that. Uh, and I love that. And each time that I talk to your father, it's always been from this perspective of here are the options. Here's what Jesus would do. Here's, here's how, I would, how I would comport myself. You have to find your own way. And as you said, he brought that at home as well. You know, how has his influence, Osaze, you know, allowed you to walk in your space now as a husband and father and mentor and coach and luminary in the things that you do? You know what? It's, it's just like you said, it wasn't just on the pulpit. It was the ability to connect from a heart for the person in front of you, right? Because, you know, from the pulpit, you could do something for a big group of people, but you have to be able to have a heart for people that are right in front of you. And so that's probably why you could take what he was saying and, and be like, man, I, I'm listening. You know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't just a platform. It was like his actual care and love for you, for your family. And I think that's kind of one of the biggest influences for me is is how he's shown me and reminded me to love the person in front of you, um, care about that person. Uh, he used to say, don't kiss a girl until you mean it. I ain't listened to that, <laughs> but <laughs> many of us did not listen. Yeah, to that. I ain't listened to that, but I, but I get where he was coming from. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, by the, you know, by the time I, I got married, um, he was actually the best man in my wedding. Wow. Um, cause we had talked through so many things. We had talked through mistakes and questions that I had along the way. I remember there was a young lady I thought I was going to be close to. You have your story just like that. And I remember it, it didn't go the way that I thought it would go. And he just kind of came to me. He was like, you know what? I, based on his mom and how she raised him, he was just like, I kept thinking about her while you were dating her. And I didn't really think she was the one. Mm. But he didn't tell me that while I was involved with her. Right. He waited until it kind of you know, went off the rails. So I was like, man, I need that kind of person right next to me when I get married. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was the the, the um, role he played, you know, when we drove up to the church to, for me to get married. We talked even on that way, on the way up. And then having kids, you know, it was like, he talked to me. Now, my first kid was my, you know, I had a daughter and he didn't know anything about having daughters. He's got all, all, <laughs> all, all boys. boys. Yeah, but he told me he was like, when I was raising you guys, I was I never thought I was raising boys. I always knew I was raising men. And uh and he was like, You're gonna have to find somebody for this daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk to your mom. Your mom yeah. is just your mom is just as powerful as there you go. Yeah. Miss Miss Amanda. Yeah, Miss <laughs> Miss Amanda Murray. Shout out to her, brother. Yes. Osaze Murray, my friend. What's your revolution? You know, my revolution, man, 
and, and just being honest with you is, is based on Matthew 6, 33, where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And that's really the, you know, the trajectory. I heard somebody say the worst thing to happen is to climb the ladder and realize it's against the wrong wall, you know, and it's like, you got to know what your trajectory is. You got to know like, what's your ultimate goal. And so my ultimate goal, and again, I fail, I'm human, fallible human being. That's what I am. But my goal is to seek you first, the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be made, you know, what it needs to be made. You know, so my revolution is to do that with all the zeal and the energy and the power and the health I have in me. And then to help other people see, no, this is the right way to go. I, I really should do what he's doing, you know, because um, I can't I can't control what other people do. But I can definitely try to pursue it with all the, you know, the gusto and might that I have. So that's what I try to do. I try to do it with mentoring. I try to do it with music. I try to do it with, you know, when I have the opportunity to do sermons, I try to do it. That's, that's my goal is to do that. And then in parenting, you know, I'm held accountable to be good, a good steward over these two kids. Right, right. Brother, I, I'd love that you bring scripture into your revolution. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Right. And I begin to think about, you know, this is a show for men and the people who love them. And we talk about the roads that men go to and and, and particularly men that look like you and and myself. Mm -hmm. And I begin to think. Why don't we see outwardly more men openly talk about their relationship with God? Why? And so let me even. Let me even dive a little bit. And maybe I'm wrong. Why is it that we don't see more black men or more men of color openly talk about their relationship with God? You know what? That's a good question, Chuck. I I think some of it revolves around the accountability that it brings. You know what I mean? Like if if I talk about my relationship with God in one on one hand, and then like a few paragraphs later, I'm talking about something else on the other hand it kind of puts me in a bind, you know what I mean? And for men, we, good men, men, we care about our word. You know what I mean? We care about what we say and what we do. And so I think for a lot of men, we struggle. I think the last thing any man wants to be is a hypocrite. And I think we just struggle with, with a standard being um, connected to us. But, you know, but, and I'm going to say, but, and I think, the more we can actually connect ourselves and express our faith, I think we actually put ourselves in a position to not get as caught up. And I, I and I'm gonna say it like this. So like in, in Psalm 23, a lot of kids memorize Psalm 23 and it says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. That's important. Yes. So because I'm associated with his name more and more and more, it's almost like, wow, I might get out of some things that I normally want to get into, but for some reason, I just can't. And so I had a buddy of mine. That this is the proof. I had a buddy of mine one time, and he looked at me. He said, yo, oh, I can see it in your eyes, man. You want to come back, but don't. Like, you you in the, you going the right way. I can see it in your eyes. You're thinking about coming back to what we've been doing, but but don't. And it was like there was some kind of association. It was almost like a certain thing that was on me. That made my good friend say, I know we out here doing it, but just don't come back. Yeah. And I think I think that's what it is. I think a lot of men, we're afraid to have that accountability, but we need that accountability. 
Man, it's, it's interesting that you say that, that, that level of accountability, because I have, you know, I have met brothers who comport themselves along faith. My faith is this. My faith is that, you know, can quote scripture, right, the, with the best of anyone. But then, and I say this, but then I, and maybe it's just me because I'm looking, but would do things that outwardly would say, how could you, how could you actually say this on one hand, right? Right. How could you say this? But then on the other hand, you are going to do this to your fellow man. And you're going to, you're going to comport yourself in a manner that is just contradictory to what you're espousing. And it becomes troubling to me. And I can see potentially that that may deter others from actually moving closer into the faith. What do you think about that? I mean, you know, what do you think about that, that dichotomy that may, you know, we may see in the world? Yeah, no, man, it happens all the time. I mean, again, that's why I quote the fact that I'm a fallible human being as much Mm. as possible, not as a disclaimer, but as a reality, right? Like I would never want anyone to get a DVD of my thoughts throughout the week. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But, 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 but alongside that, right. You know, it, it could be a stumbling block for a lot of people. And it is sometimes when, you know, when our life and our doctrine don't match up when it's not side by side. And then, we wonder, like, how come people don't take us seriously? I really, you know, I don't have an answer, man. I I, I think it is. The, I, I agree with you. It happens. I observed it as well. Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, for a man to do is to consider, like, I, I want to have more time of integrity than I want to have of of dishonesty. Like at the sum, when it's all summed up, right? And this is not to get into heaven. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, but I do want to have more hours of integrity than I want of dishonesty. Wow. And I feel like if we can kind of like keep that going and understanding that we're, again, I'm striving, right? I'm striving. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm apologizing when I need to apologize. I had to apologize to somebody this week. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't hurt me to apologize. I mean, it hurts my pride, but it doesn't hurt me. If if anything, it can maybe bring integrity to the picture. It could show somebody, you know, wow, this dude is trying to live up to what he said he believes in. Right. What I love, Osaze, is that you're striving for more integrity, that, that if we're thinking about the ratio of integrity to dishonesty, right? We want that ratio to be, I, I'm, I'm 95% on this integrity, mm-hmm. ratio, right? Not, we're hoping for 100%, right? Yeah. As much as we can on that integrity. I think that we have to, we have to operationally define time and time again what it means to have integrity because I think that we are placed and tell me, tell me if I'm wrong. I think that we're in place in settings every day where we have to discern. We have to make that decision. Can I show integrity? Can I make a, a a decision that is based on integrity, or you know, do I move this way because you know I, it's it's an easier way to go? And we don't have to put on a, a balance of integrity to dishonesty, but something that is less mm-hmm. has less integrity, mm-hmm. right? That may get me out of a situation easier. Yeah. And so I'm going to, you know, revolutionaries, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 
vulnerable at times on my show. Oftentimes it gets me in trouble, but that's why you listen. Um, so, but comporting myself as a man the way that I did, right? We'll leave. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that, right? Comporting because you know, if you know me, you know that you you know Charles Corporate, right? So yeah. for a long period of time in my life, I comported myself as a man who had less integrity. <laughs> That's how we're gonna we'll say this, right? Um, there will pe- be people out there nodding their head. Oh, oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. But what what once I realized because there was a, this event in my life, dear brother, that made me realize that I can't live like this anymore. Right. I can't choose the less in integrity behavior. And once I realized this, it became this start reality when I make when I kept making decisions based on integrity, telling the truth. Right. Just like I need to say this and then make an integrity, you know, decisions that said, I'm going to make a decision that shows integrity to you. Life changed. Osase. Life changed dramatically. And I often feel like, especially when, when men are comporting themselves in relationships with whoever, men or women, that we are socialized to be to choose the less integrity decision. And when I made this decision to be a man of more integrity about how I was going to pour, life opened up for me. You know, have you seen that this this experience happens to men? Have you had those conversations with men like, oh, like, wow, I could have been doing this for a long period of time and I may not have caused as much pain as I've as I've caused to people in the world. Man, you're on it, brother. You're on it. I, I feel like the opportunities to lack integrity are many. Right. But I feel like once we choose that road, you know, of integrity. And for anyone who's listening, like one of my mentors said, like, that's where we get the word energy from, right? It's a whole. So like you're being the whole person that you are everywhere you go. You're the same. You're always that whole person. And so whether it's I'm dealing with racial injustice and you see I'm angry, you know what I mean? And then you see me at church and you see I'm prayerful and I'm worshipful. I can be all those things because that's who I am. You know what I mean? I'm capable of anger. I'm capable of, of righteous anger. I'm capable for out of pocket anger, trust. You know what I mean? But I'm capable of all those things. And it's like when I start to walk more into that, people feel a level of authenticity and they don't feel like they have to put on airs, number one, around me. And then they say, I welcome you to be who you are. It's huge, man. And I think for men, especially, that's what we want as men. But the opportunities are many. I was talking to this one cat. And he's a player, man. You know what I mean? And so, I, I mean, I do with, with, with all of the, I do. With, I mean, look, I went to Howard, bro. I'm going to tell you, I have, I got some, some, some hey, mystery. Yeah. So, but one of the dudes, he was like, man, it wore me out to remember how many different birthdays I told the ladies. Cause you can't, you can't tell all of them your exact birthday. Cause why? They all want to spend your birthday with you. Right. So you had to tell one this birthday, one He's this a straight birthday. Straight player. <laughs> straight player. So straight I'm saying? Player. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so you gotta tell, and then you gotta keep up with it. Yeah. That's a man, that's that wears you down, man. It wears <laughs> it, it, it it's wears a lot. Down. It's a lot. So I think for men to be able to choose something greater, something weightier, something heavier, um, something riskier. I think that's what most men want, really. I think we like risk. I think we don't always like consequence, but we like risk. And yeah. It's a risk to be, you know, a man of integrity. It's, it's not easy. 
it's it's not easy as me me and my boy uh philip eccles my man one of my like my brother my brother we talk about this woo like you get into this like you like the you like the woo you like the attention right yeah and if you're choosing the less integrity life woo will come from a, a number of different places right and you're like Oh, well, I'm getting all this woo. It gives me that energy. So I'm a woo you. I'm a woo you. I'm a woo you, you know, and you realize and for some of us, we realize at an advanced stage, right? I'm trying to think at an advanced stage, like I don't need all of this woo, right? I don't need it. And I need I, I need to I need to tell the story like, okay, this is where I am because Ultimately, as you said, it takes a whole lot of energy to woo the world. It does, man. It <laughs> you does. know, and so I think, as you said, seek ye first the kingdom, the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that, right? And whoever your God is, I'm not telling you who your who your God should be, but seeking, right? Seeking a higher power will hopefully allow you to make better decisions to be mm-hmm. to choose. Even if it's hard, mm-hmm. you know, because we, we've been focused telling the truth. We, we have been socialized that telling the truth is hard. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. I want to hide this aspect. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I may want to deceive you. Oftentimes, you know, we, we'll tell this. We, we'll tell a little lie because, oh, I don't want to hurt that person's feeling. Well, ultimately, when that person finds out, you've hurt them more. And so yeah. lying takes away their power. Yeah. Oh, Sazi, you know, go ahead. Some- I was going to say, like, you know, woo, I, I think I read this was winning over others, right? Yeah, now, winning, now winning Wu-Tang, over others. We, we like Wu-Tang, too, but we're talking <laughs> about winning over others. And in order to win them over with something less than integrity, you have to keep them with that same lower standard. Oh. And that's where it gets heavy again. You know, and I was listening to one of your shows. You were talking about the effort and the, and the wonderful, you know, return on investment you've received from mental health and growing yes. in that area mm-hmm. and, and being able to speak f- to someone freely from who you are. That's what I'm saying. Like that is available as we continue to lean into integrity. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Look, every, every one of these shows revolutionaries is a masterclass by people who are changing the world. Pastor Osaze Murray. And, and I'm sure that you have, opportunities on youtube on the net to hear you preach brother you can go to uh first baptist butte streets go to the youtube channel and you can see this brother give rousing rousing informative uplifting god inspired sermons where did you develop your style of preaching to the masses Mm. I, I always tell people I had three pastors. I had my dad first and foremost. And so he's always going to be numero uno. And then I interned at a church as a youth pastor. Uh, and that pastor was J. Wendell Mapson in Philadelphia. But before I interned with Pastor Mapson in my very, very formative years of my faith, I had a pastor and he's still my pastor, Pastor Terry D. Streeter in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Yes. And I feel like those three men alone have uh, greatly influenced the way I, I attempt to approach the word of God. My dad is a pastor. Like I say, he's a teacher. Pastor Streeter is definitely a teacher as well, but he's an expositor. 
So he he pulls out the scriptures from right where they are. So, you you know, in that teaching method, even, you know, and what I attempt to do is to be an expositor and just take you line by line. And then Pastor um, Mapson, so poetic, his his wording, his imagery, everything, you know what I mean? So I think it's a mix of all three of those men. And then it's a mix of other things from school, from workshops, man. But ultimately, glory to God. I, I was I was in a school to be. And uh, at Howard. And one thing I learned in my major was you have to engage people early on and then they will listen to you later on. <laughs> so so like that's usually my goal, you know, Chucky, is to get get a level of engagement early on so that a person is willing to listen later on. And if I don't achieve it early on, I, yeah, later on is not going to happen, man. Man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Osazi, oh, you're you're killing the game tonight, and and I love that last part. You you know you engage people early on, so they will listen later on, and that's what we try to do here at the show. But the one thing that I I love, and and you know why I even at fifty get up and be like, I want to go hear Pastor Osaze, is you tell stories, right? And sometimes your stories are a bit controversial, particularly for our, our faith. I remember you spoke uh, a couple of years ago and you, you, you brought in a book about this sister who um, is in the LGBTQ community and she wrote mm-hmm. this book, mm-hmm. right? And talked about how she had been ostracized by the church, but found, but found her faith, found you know, in, in her room. Yeah. Right? You see, I'm getting yeah. a little look, I'm getting a little uh, frothy and but but found herself in the room in her was it her college dorm, if I'm correct. Well, you know, it was in her room. Uh, she lived with her girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And, and she she accepted Jesus in her room. Right. Yeah. And Chucky Hill Perry is. Her yes. Name. Yes. And you just have this wonderful knack to bring stories like that into your sermon. Like, why is that? Why do you think, you know, those stories will encapsulate your audience? Because, I mean, I'm like, I want to hear what this next story is going to be. Mm. And why is that the the inflection point for you in your ministry? You're knowing that and, and you have the ability to bring generations together. Why is that your starting point? Those those stories that are going to peak <laughs> our minds. Yeah, man. Thank you, brother. Uh, I have a, I have like a folder, you know what I mean? And and if I'm reading something, I try to read as much as I possibly can. If I'm reading something and it interests me, I have a sneaky suspicion it might interest another person. Now, sometimes I have to go through several stories to say, yeah, that only interests you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So, so, but, but then I fall on one where I'm like, man, this really interests me. And her story really, really interests me as some, I've walked with a number of people who have uh, had same sex attraction or who have been in a, in a world where that was what they, you know, the lifestyle they live. So reading her, I mean, I highly recommend her book. A lot of people, might have a certain feeling about her book and they haven't read it, but I'm like, read, just read it. It's her yeah. story. Like, I mean, like what you going to tell her that that's not her story. <laughs> so like I, I bought the book, I read it and I was like, I just felt like it, it was time and it was a place where I could share it. 
And and the key for me is to never let the story drive the sermon. Now, it may feel like it. It may seem like it. But the, the scripture, the text has to drive the sermon. Then I grab that folder with the stories and say, OK, I think this is what will engage the listener so that they can hear yeah. the sermon. Man, I, and, and I heard it that day, and I heard it that day, and loved how you wove her story. What's the name of the book? So, Revolution. It's called. Revolution. It's called Gay Girl, Good God. Yeah, by yeah. Jackie Hill Perry. It's a wonderful read. I, I highly recommend it. You know, it, it that the way that you wove that story in uh, with the word, because you you brought back so much of really her inflection of how she talked about, if I can recall correctly. She talked about how she, you know, like I said, felt ostracized, but accepting God into her life and Jesus into her life, she it it, it opened up a different world for her. Yeah. And you brought you brought that you brought that in, and the way that your fire, I, I'll call it fire. Um, it wasn't. It's not this fire and brimstone, Osazi. It is a uh, a vigor. Let's call mm-hmm. it that. Mm-hmm. That draws your audience in. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, I want to hear more about how the word and this story intersect. But also, how do I bring this into my own life? And I think that we as men, as we're trying to walk and trying to find our own faith, we need to be able to find stories like hers or like the stories that you bring in. Yeah. Right. To say, I see myself in this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see myself. I see myself. How do I find more integrity? How yeah. do I find my space where I'm finding quiet and reflection with the Lord? All of these things, right? Mm-hmm. All, all of these things. I think that is what the innate power that you bring, pastor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, you know, that you bring to anyone who, who listens to you is the storytelling aspect, but also your intellect of the word mm. right and how you have that intersection i i love that let me let me deep deep down go deep down a little bit more you know jackie O'Perry's book talks about a a, a lesbian black woman mm-hmm. correct yep but the black church has not you know always in my opinion been that receptive of gay black men mm-hmm. you know how do we, you know, as, as cisgender men, you know, who have faith, ensure that all of our brothers have the opportunity to experience the same type of feelings? And that's not that doesn't give the word the gravitas that I'm looking for that Jackie Hill Perry did in her book. Yeah. You know what? I think one big piece of her book that crosses uh gender is the the prayer life the intercess the intercessory prayer life of her cousin and that w- that was what i think I, I think people really need to key in on on the book i mean she gives you a lot of background you know the whole idea if she was the stud in the relationship you know like she tells her story right and then she even tells the story of a moment where um a robbery was taking place and she at that moment felt the difference between her femininity and the robber's masculinity. So it's some real like moments where it's like, 
so much in her life was going on, but yet she had not surrendered to the gospel, had not surrendered to, you know, the Lord. And at one point things were going real sour for her and she called her cousin and she was just like, yo, what is going on? And her cousin was like, all I know is I just been praying for you. And it was like an aha moment, but it wasn't an aha moment yet. You know what I mean? It's like she had to like come full circle and figure it out. So back to your question, I think the prayer, you you know, your show is about men and men and, and people who love men. Yes. For many of us, we don't pray for people who don't look or act like Mm -hmm. us, or, you know, we just don't pray for them like we ought to. Even if you think of that word intercessory prayer, it's football season, right? An interception takes one thing from one side and brings it to the other side. So the same way, go back to Matthew 6.33. If I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, right? I am realizing that there's another kingdom that's pulling away from people and pulling them away. Right. And unless I'm praying and trying to advance that kingdom, I can't expect anyone to experience all of what this kingdom has to offer, yeah. no matter what they're dealing with, no matter what sexual, moral, whatever choices they're making. And unless someone is in the gap praying for them, interceding for them, I can't expect them to fully experience this amazing moment, this life giving, liberating freedom, this 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 freedom and good news. So all that to say, Dr. Corporal, man, the church has to pray more. <laughs> wow. Bottom yeah. line, you started yeah. it off the top with your how your mom prays. My mom prays like. But but will we find another younger generation that prays like these mothers pray? And I think we're lacking. Yeah, you have just like you have just said it. And the examples that we were able to grow up with, with praying families. I I know wholeheartedly, my dear friend, that my mother has prayed me out of a lot of different things. I mean, not even knowing, knowing, has prayed me out, (laughs) has put put the armor of God on me when I I wasn't even praying for it, right? Was trying to throw it off me like, nah, nah, I'm good. No. The armor of God has been placed on me because of birth of corporate. Yeah. 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 And she she was like, again, that were intercessory prayer. She was like, look, if Chucky won't pray for himself, I'm standing in the gap and I'm praying for him until he sees, you know, how to pray for himself. Yeah. Right. And I'm saying like, that's where we we have to get back to that. And for us as brothers, we just got to pray for one another, man. Like, yeah. like seriously, like as if, if it's our life was on the line, like pray, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a short answer to your question, even though it had a lot of words, it's a short answer. No, I love it. I love it. I think my revolutionaries, when you hear this, right, spend some time in, in, in meditation and prayer and pray for others. You know, I, it I, is. Yeah. yeah. Pray for yeah, us. Don't I, let it just be about me and, yeah. my, and, and my next meal or my next deal. It's got to be like, God, if you don't help this young brother, if you don't help my nephew, if you don't help my cousin and them, you know what I mean? If you yeah. don't help my godson, if you don't help, like, just pray like it, like, like you're the only one praying for that person. Yeah. And we, we need it. Our country is mired in horrific times, dear brother. <sighs> I mean, horrific times. And 
we have seen the, you know, the mass media lynching of a man. We've seen, you know, we, we've just seen atrocities that are happening to black and brown folks, you know, whether they be mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Prayer, my revolutionaries, prayer, prayer like your life, you know, pray like your life depends on it, right? Pray because too many of us have been suffering and, you know, dear friend, there are going to be some to say, you know, I, I heard this show it was amazing. I've been praying. And this is going to be the last question, right? Because this is, this is, this is the question. I've been praying, Pastor Osaze, right? Ain't nothing happening. You see, I'm saying, I've been, I've, been, I've been praying. I've been asking God. I've been asking God to find me a partner. I've been asking God to change my finances. I've been asking God to get me out of this relationship, this, this horrible relationship that I've been in. I've been asking God. I've been asking God, but nothing's happening. I'm giving up. What do you what do you say, Pastor? I would encourage that person not to give up. I actually I would encourage that person to, if they can, pull out their phone or pull out a sheet of paper or pull out a pen and write down everything that they think they've been praying for. And if they still feel like there hasn't been any kind of movement, then I think they should ask somebody else to join them in prayer for those things. Wow. Because the reality is there there probably has been some movement, right? You know what I mean? Like there has been some movement most likely, but in the case that it, it that it has not been any movement and I might be that person that's listening, I would encourage them to invite someone else to join them in prayer on those things that they've listed. Because what I found is, you know, funny story, man, I used to pray for something and the thing that I was praying for, I had no intentions of doing good with it. And God, God withheld that answer. I mean, the answer was no, but he withheld giving it to me. Right. And when I look back five years later, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So some things God will not answer because of our intent, like what we would do with it. And then there are those moments where it's a puzzle. We're just like, God, you know, I would do nothing but good with this. If you yes. gave it to me. why yeah. didn't you give it to me? Right. And in those moments, I, I really do think. It, 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 there's an encouragement of writing it down and then beginning to see, okay, God, um, I take this very seriously. I know you would do too. Why is it stalled? Why is it not happening? And then inviting a friend, inviting someone with uh, some faith to also join you in that prayer. I think that's, that's the revolution, right? Not, no pun intended. <laughs> that's the revolution Yeah, is, that, is to get somebody else involved in your prayers and the things that you are beseeching God for. Yeah. Dear brother, this is why I've been looking forward to this. Right? Me too, man. Me this too. Is, you were asking is, me like, did I want to reschedule? I'm like, no, I need to do this. <laughs> man, I mean, revolutionaries, you understand why it, this show not only is for you, right? And, you're, and, and the people that you love. It's for me, right? It, this is a selfish endeavor because... Every week I play it back, right? Just for me, I become not the CEO of Revolution, you know, what's your revolution? I become a fan, right? I become a listener because because the people that I get to interview, like Pastor Osazi Murray, just give you the strategies, the tips, the tools, right? The information you need to live the healthiest versions of your life. Dear brother, we appreciate, we appreciate you so much. Uh, you know, I can't wait 
to hear you again. So I'm going to ask this question, like, where can, you know, where can people get more time to hear you? Like, is there a YouTube channel? Is there a, a, a space that you got where people can hear, you know, just hear your, 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 you know, hear your word. Man, I appreciate you. And again, thank you for having me. They can go to Opposed Music. That's my YouTube channel because, you okay. know, I do music, too. And then um, from there, you just type my name in. My name is is quite unique. I have to thank my parents for that. It's just yeah. O-S-A-Z-E, last name Murray. And uh, if you type that in, there's been many opportunities that the Lord has opened up doors for me to preach. I, I'm a minister, man. You know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, God called me to minister uh, I know <laughs> you got an angle. I haven't been called the pastor at church, but I, I go and I minister and I preach and any place that you could type my name in, hopefully that's what will come up me ministering through preaching the word or, or through rapping. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm thankful. I, we didn't even get into the rapping. I was no, like, it's all good. They could just check it out. All yeah. they got to type it in. That's all they got to do. Pose man. music, man. Pastor yeah. Osaze Murray, my, my childhood friend, my, my, my friend. Ch- my childhood friend, we grew up together. His brothers, look, I got to give a shout out to Johan Sanchez. Twins, yeah. And, you know, the twins, good friends, you know, that I've been able to spend a lifetime with, man, growing up in the church together, hanging out. Your brother, Johan, say, man, every time I go to Atlanta, man, when, you know, when I was in school, he would take care of me. I remember uh, I had just finished and your brother brought a, a group of kids from uh, Morehouse to too late and i was out we were rapping he's like i want you to talk to these young brothers man you got some good good brothers your mom and dad are great great, the salt of the earth man look go ahead man i know you got to spend some time with your family take care of yourself i am appreciative of you grateful for you and revolutionaries go out o-s-a-z-e murray oppose music google that listen to as much as you can right as much as you can about this brother's pastoring his word his intellect his music be full like I am when I get to spend some time and hear his voice. So thank you, revolutionaries. We got three weeks, three weeks. Go vote, go vote, go vote as if your life depends on it. We'll talk to you soon, revolutionaries. I love you. I love you. I love you. Take care. Peace. Have a great week. Take care. What's good, revolutionaries?